You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. We have the whole crew in the house today. I am Dalton with Connor, Isaiah, and Lucas. Guys, it has been a while and we are all in the house. Ike and Lou, good job holding down the fort last week. Little two-man game there. That was fun. Nice work, boys. Yeah, thank you. It was uh, it was fun for maybe some of us, but um, <clears throat> those listeners, aka you two, gallivant around the globe. So some of us stick to the the working man's game. Here. I don't know if it's you and you and Ike versus me and Dalt. I don't know if you want to use gallivant <laughs> around the globe exactly because <laughs> uh, one of your person's gallivanting quite a hey, bit. So, but still makes some, it work. Somebody's got to make the cookies around here. You know what I mean? Somebody's got to be in the kitchen, <laughs> putting in the work, making sure dinner's on the table. That's all I'm saying. I'm with you, Lou. Here was here's one thing that I thought was funny from last podcast. Isaiah missed two weeks in a row, I believe, where the three of us held it down. And Lou's at going least, after us two least. for missing. He was like, Oh, uh, Connor's no, missed Connor. Connor's second you, offense. Uh, and I was like, no, hey, sitting right next was, to you, pal. Gave, How about a second offense there, buddy? Connor, I'd yeah. like to be glass very house, clear. fellas, glass house. Very clear. I was very okay with you missing last week. I said it was an excused absence. <laughs> hey, totally okay. I want that death. fully on the record. I was Respect. only mad at Dalton. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I learned last week that apparently Ike thinks I sound like an old time carny. I'm like, hey, uh, step right up, uh, bearded lady over here, freak show. Look on up. Uh. <laughs> I had multiple people call in and ask me if Dalton was actually in the studio. It was it so spot on to start. I was hoping he would try to ride it out a little bit longer, but he, he dropped it pretty quick. <laughs> Tough to hold on. I'm I'll say I really appreciated that. the the call in from Dalton. I thought that was so funny. Isaiah was talking. I think Isaiah mentioned it in the group when you ended and just said, I'll hang up and listen. I died. That was so funny to me That's, because yeah. I was just like, oh, man, every radio station ever right there. Hey, first time, long time. <clears throat> yeah, first time, uh, long time. I'll hang up and listen. But I did. I, I do appreciate the rant, though, not to dwell on last week too much, but I, I, I fall in line with uh, the opinions of the group in general there that it just. So, hey, you missed. You don't get to. You nope, don't get sorry. To never back. mind. We'll, we'll edit this part out. <laughs> you had your yep, chance. Cut that. If you wanted to talk about it, you should have been here last week. <laughs> Fair. But since last week, we saw the wild get eliminated from the playoffs. That was a. Huge hype for the game seven. I mean, it was super exciting to get that game six W, but then game seven was a complete letdown. Like they were outplayed in the first period, lucky to get out tied, and then they were just crushed the rest of the way. Uh, I was gallivanting around the globe, so I didn't actually see the game. I was just watching uh, the the game cast. But for those of you who did watch, what did you see? I mean, it was like you said, it was like Vegas was very in control of the game. It felt like, and we were just getting bodied up and down the ice very very physical we we're getting guys taken out of the game left and right going back to the locker room the one that stuck in my mind was Suter got like bump slash back check from behind and face into the pipe of the goal oh that was a tough one to watch but the boys got beat up big time and uh they they looked pretty gassed from what I thought and uh it was tough it was tough playing in Vegas for that game unfortunately Suter looked concussed after that like Watching his next oh, few yeah. shifts, he needed an he needed a map. He was so lost out there, and he wasn't really skating that hard. Like that was that was a tough hit on him. 
but yeah, he was pretty lost. Yeah, I think so. One of one of the opinions that I had watching that game is like the whole series, the refs pretty much let him play. Like they're gonna call an obvious trip, a pretty obvious hook, things like that. But in terms of banging bodies, they're pretty much letting them go. But that check from behind in the pipe, like uh, most people, most major media outlets were talking about, like that should have probably been a five minute major because you're hitting to the head or neck area, and then also basically boarding him into the net so like that should have been at least a major if not kicked out of the game and i mean reeves is a goon we talked about it before the series he's like going to provide that physical um the physical aspect to the game for the knights because they're they showed in game seven that like they're fast right like it's hard to keep up with a team like that for seven games um and like i do say or I would say that I think some people saw this coming. Some people probably on this podcast even predicted Vegas Knights in seven. Um, me. And um, the thing about it is that there was that was, was a huge potential penalty, five-minute major, right? And then for Bukestad, the life of the, me, I'm forgetting. I think the, it was Ryan the high Hartman. stick on Bukestad. Yeah, Bukestad, that's who it was. Drew blood. And that's a right double minor. Yeah. yeah, double minor because he blew or drew blood. And so that there's nine minutes of power play time that really could have impacted the game. Mostly the Bukestad one. Cause that was really early in the game. And the, I think it was one, one or two, two at that point. And then after that high stick to Bukestad, the, the wheels just came off for, for the wild Vegas was just showing how fast they were and how explosive they were. And obviously they're a good team. I think the NHL as a whole, they were probably happy. The wild loss. They wanted the Vegas Knights yeah. avalanche series, which I mean, it is what it is. It's, I don't think there was like collusion or something, but it's just, it, it probably works out best for the NHL. And ultimately this was not, I don't, I think every fan had the thoughts that like, this was not the year we were expecting. I don't think we were going into the year thinking, Hey, Stanley cup or bust or like first round playoff winner bust. I think getting into the playoffs, was big it was a sign of of the players that are on our team and they can play like some of the younger guys Jewel erickson act great season marcus mm-hmm. felino stepping up in his role he played a really good year um kaprizov is a stud which is huge for us and i think uh if not next year in the next three three years we should have pretty good shot shots to go deep into the playoffs if we can keep the group together um Obviously, a lot hinges on the expansion draft and things like that. But um, I think it was a promising season. I think overall, it was a really fun season. We saw a lot of awesome stuff happen. It's just, it is a bummer when you're right there, game seven, got a chance. Yeah. And also, this was the Wild as a franchise, their first ever loss in a game seven. They were 3-0 and coming in. So that would have been kind of fun to just ride that high for a little longer. But overall, good season. Pretty fun series, honestly. But uh, Can we get some claps for Cam Talbot? Oh yeah, and Cam Talbot, thank God, we brought him in. Yep. Like, the, with the way that the Wild came out and played in that first period, I think without him, that it should have been like three nothing. No, oh, yeah. they. I mean, I've never seen a team besides like the NFC Championship Vikes against the Eagles, a team less ready to play in a big game. Yeah, they Ugh. couldn't like their D to D passes, like they were falling over, like literally falling over, like couldn't put two passes together for the first. 15 minutes of the game and the Mm -hmm. whole first period was played in in our zone and it was cam talbot made i mean he gave up five goals but he had a lot of really good saves i think it could have been a lot worse if he weren't back there and he was great all season or all series yeah it was Uh, the last little nugget i'll say is one thing i think that was promising coming out of the series was 
unfortunately, Carson Soucy, um, the graduate, I believe, of UMD, uh, the ex-Bulldog, he went down, which wasn't great, but then Kalen Addison came in, and he is the the really the key player that came over in the Jason Zucker trade um, last year, two years ago. Um, and so it was good to see him get in the lineup. He is a pretty offensive defenseman. He skates really well. He handles the puck really well, and he has a decent shot. So it was fun to see him hop up. I think I've heard some murmurs about the potential of Dumba being taken in the expansion draft, which would be a bummer because Dumba obviously is a quality player and he has generated some good offense, but it was a good sign to see Kalen Addison step up in the playoffs and be able to contribute. I don't think, I don't know if he had any points or anything like that, but I think he played well as a assist. third. He had an assist. He had played well as the third D pairing and, and that was promising to see. Hopefully if we do leave, leave, lose Dumba, we can fill it in with Addison and, kind of keep a strong defensive core that we've had back there for a little while. So going back to Talbot, I know they signed him on a one-year deal coming into this season. Do you think there's a good chance they bring him back or are they going to, do you think roll with Kakinen as their, their number one next season? I think they got to bring him back. I think the NHL is a two goalie league. And the only reason why Talbot played all seven games in the playoffs, I think is just because you can't pull a guy that's hot like that, even if he's tired and Kakinen struggled down the stretch. But I think we shot soft flashes potentially of what he could be where he was really good at the beginning of the season into the middle of the season. Um, but I think you got to bring him back. I don't. I, I think the end of the year showed that Kakinen's not ready to be like a number one goalie on his own, and we don't really have a solid number two. So I, I think that would be a fun one-two punch between the pipes for the Wild next season if if it works out contract-wise. Um, sidebar, Talbot is a handsome fellow. I don't know if you guys got to see any pictures of him, but good Lord, that guy is hot. Yeah, I'm sweaty. So good for him. Uh I saw a bunch of stuff his wife was tweeting out. She's not ugly either, but uh, it was just like you, you you take the mask off and you just assume goalies are like cross-eyed. Like I think every goalie in my mind should be like cross-eyed from taking pucks off the head <laughs> and just probably bald, stubble, maybe even a little chunky because you ought to fill up more space in the it's net. a little rough around and the And then edges. he takes it off and yeah. you're like, oh, God. Oh, whoa, hello. So just thought I would get that out. There. These are the important takeaways from the game. Yep. Yeah. This is why people things. listen to this podcast. Good for insight. insight. It's not going to get anywhere else. The truth. But I, I rationalized the loss this way. We weren't going anywhere after this. Yeah. The abs are, as they say, a wagon. The avalanche are way too good. Yeah. So you can just, you know, we're all right. We just get a little extra off season, a little, little extra time to prep for next year. The boys were like, if we're going to go out, we're going to go out in Vegas. Yeah, so we can party seven. after. Just hit the strip right after. Well, yeah. and celebrate properly. It looked like they went out before. Colorado <laughs> won the first game of the next series, like 6-2 or 7-2. So um, we at least tired the Vegas Knights out for Colorado to hopefully sweep them. So. Cool. Well, from one season ending to another beginning. Lou, your Vikes. OTAs have been kicking off this week. We've gotten a lot of... Uh, a lot of buzz, a lot of social media hype. You know, everyone likes to get those first takeaways of rookies and free agent signings. Um, I feel like this year, at least from what I've seen on social media, the Vikes are really pushing Patrick Peterson. It seems like every other post is like, look at this new guy. He's teaching everyone everything. He's making all these plays and OTAs. I don't know. I mean, he's he's an old cornerback who's a former pro bowler. Like he has upside, but I think it's funny how they're billing him as like a secondary savior for the Vikes. 
Yeah, it's like they're almost like trying to rationalize bringing him in, right? They're like, hey, look at this great move that we made. It's it's sort of paying off already. But so, yeah, I don't know. He's he's pumped up, though. He seems like he's excited for the season. He's already got to what did he say that week two versus Arizona. He's really, really excited for that one. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that if he actually does have this really big positive impact, which obviously I'm very much hoping he does in the secondary. Um, <clears throat> the other big thing out of OTAs is, uh, that I've seen is obviously no Daniel Hunter, which, I mean, I feel like a, a few years ago, this would have been a huge deal when guys didn't show up. So it feels like it's usually cornerback or sorry, quarterbacks, but I feel like it's kind of being a kind of more regular thing for, for these veterans and these stars to just not necessarily show up right away. Obviously he's got the injury and he's got the contract thing he wants obviously figured out, but uh, I was reading something in Zimmer and Spielman. They haven't really talked to him, which is a little bit alarming, but they said they're not too worried. They said he's really been working out. He's been sending them like their, his workout videos and Zimmer just said they're impressive. That's it. So shocker there that he's good at working out, but um, yeah, I'm not exactly smashing the panic button yet for Daniil Hunter, but I mean, he's not there. He's, he's not talking to the coaches or the GMs. So a little bit of worry, I think. Do you think Zimmer, does Zimmer have like a OnlyFans where you can just send him your workout videos and he'll rank them? Because I'd like to participate in that. <laughs> That's exactly where my mind was going. I was like, I'm just picturing Zim wherever his ranch is and like Montana or whatever in the basement, just grinding, you know, just watching videos. He's like, yep, good rap, good rap. Mm, okay, rap, good rap, good rap. Um just getting his jollies right like he's just like let's go baby we need him back we need him the boys back. are ready um yeah i don't know I, I i think i'm a little bit more concerned about daniel hunter um i understand they're saying they're not talking to him i don't know if if that really matters if they're talking to him or not i'm sure it's just like the contract dispute the only the only issue i see is like man if he doesn't come back and play for us this year it's going to be an uphill battle. Like he's such a pivotal position on our team yeah. and he does it as a, he's a game changer yeah. level that if we don't have him back this year, it's going to make things real difficult for the, uh, the boys in purple to make the playoffs. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially cause we really didn't take that edge rusher that a couple of us were hoping to, to draft or at least a, a top level one. And I mean, Steven Weatherly, yeah, he's he'll probably be serviceable, but he's just you, you can't put him on the same pedestal as Daniel Hunter. It's just not they're just not the same player. Oh, what do you got? I, I've been saying this since last season. I think they need to trade Daniel Hunter as soon as possible. I don't see a path where this plays out well for the Vikings. Like they're kind of cash strapped already. And Daniel continuously like every time he's got a contract, like a year later, he wants a bigger one. And he's undeniably extremely valuable but you have to be on the field to be valuable and if he's going to hold out i feel like it's better to trade him sooner because once once he's in the middle of a holdout you're not going to get good value for him like teams know that your back is against the wall and you have a guy who you're paying who's not playing for you so they'll they'll undercut you and just try to get him at a bargain so i, I think the sooner the better the vikes can ship out daniel and get something else in return why don't you just play? Just play. That's so annoying. Like just, just be good on a defensive-focused team and just play. 
I mean, he's not. It's not like he's making no money, but granted, he he was, I believe, the first to fifty sack or the fastest to fifty sacks ever, or something like that. And I mean, yeah, he's. I think he's seventeenth among defensive ends in the league in in terms of uh, salary per year. But yeah, he wants to be the the highest paid defensive player ever. I think he said so. That's not looking great with our cap situation. Yeah, I want that too, but yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, here's a question for you guys. Would you do you think this is mostly player driven or agent driven? Do you think agent. that a lot of agents are in the ear of players being like, you could be the most the highest paid player ever as a defensive end or something goofy like that? Like, do you think that's agent driven or player driven? I'm sure it's some of both. Like, I'm sure Daniel sees like Khalil Mack at these contracts and Joey Bosa and all these guys getting these huge, huge deals. And he's like, I'm just as good, if not better than them. Why can't I get paid like that? So, I mean, he does have a point, but I, I agree that I'm sure his agent probably has something to do with that because, I mean, the first few years with Daniel Hunter, he was very good and he like, you almost never heard a peep from him, right? Yes. True. Yeah. But an entry-level player is not going to be, like, complaining about his contract. Right, he didn't have a lot of pull. But the thing that I always think is interesting is, like, the timing. After a year of not playing because of an injury, how can you expect them to pay you the largest contract when they don't even know if you're going to come back 100%? Like, talk about a huge risk for the team after you just miss pretty much an entire season with an injury to be like, all right, it's time to pay the piper. And they're like, well, what if... We give you all this guaranteed money, and then you just can't play at the same level. I, I I don't know. I don't I don't totally understand the timing very well. Did you not hear? Workout impressive. Oh, that never mind. Yep, just delete the last part I said. He's pumping iron. Yeah. No, I. Do you think that part of his sitting out last year was it was was it all injury or was it also sitting out? Like, was it a combination? So they know he's not super super hurt. So they are pretty more confident, I guess, maybe that he is ready to go well yeah i was reading something today too it it was like zimmer first described it as like pretty much like a little strain or something like that and then he ended up needing surgery on his neck like so it's like i don't know if zimmer is just trying to like downplay it or something but granted that was over a year ago (laughs) i'm thinking he was probably just downplaying it a little bit i don't think coaches in general like giving the media the, the playbook, if you will, for their injuries. I don't, I generally think they're just like, we're keeping this stuff in house. This was a little thing and then it spiraled. I'm guessing down the stretch, there's probably a chance that in the last couple of games, he may have played had we been in like the race for the playoffs or if we were in the playoff picture. But I think I'm guessing down the end of the year, it was like, why would I play, expose myself to injury when it, for nothing essentially? Um, and so I, I, I don't believe it was the ca- the the contract situation that held them out. I think it was the injury, and then I think it was the lack of product on the field that we had. I just think you look across sports at players who, in the middle of a contract, become unhappy with their situation. It almost never plays out well for a team who's like, oh, it'll work itself out. At the end of this, we'll, we'll reach a deal. You look at like Le'Veon Bell. You look at guys like James Harden. You look at Jimmy Butler when he was in Minnesota. I mean, that was maybe less of a contract thing and more of a situation thing. But either way, when the situation is bad and the team says, oh, don't worry, it'll work itself out. Maybe it's confirmation bias or like, you know, selection bias. But I feel like it never works itself out. And then it gets to the end of the line where the players are sitting out or, you know, just 
being like, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to be in shape. I'm not going to be at practice or the games, whatever. And then the teams get screwed and have to panic trade a player and end up losing the trade terribly. And it just sucks because I feel like the Vikings have a lot of good pieces and Daniil's super valuable. He's pr- he's maybe their most valuable player um, in terms of like trade value. Um, but if, if they wait, they're going to get nothing for him and then it just it just sucks. Lou, you said you're not smashing the panic button. At what point would you start at least putting your hand on the panic button if he starts missing mandatory practices? Training camp. Yeah, training camp probably is when I get really worried. You don't think he's taking the Brett Favre approach? He's going to kind of show up two weeks before the first game and be ready to roll? Do a couple arm circles, yeah. Sprint here or there, but yeah. I'm not a football guy, but like as a defensive lineman... I feel like it'd be pretty easy to just show up and go like how much scheming is there as a D lineman versus like a, a quarterback or a running back or wide receiver who needs to know the playbook. Like as a D lineman, is it like rush passer or like maybe. I mean, they, they have like, uh, they have like schemes and stuff for different coverages per se, but like essentially, yes, they can show up and just a guy, especially a guy like him who is made to rush the passer. Like they're like, get in there and put your hand in the dirt. And go make something happen. I bet you could send him a PDF copy of kind of the schemes and stuff like that, and he could do it at home, and it wouldn't really be as big of an issue. I think it's a good point, Dalton, because on the like offense is so much timing. You know, that's how you do things well is when you're in and out of routes, ball getting thrown at the right time, uh, picking up blitzes at the right time, doing things like that. On defense, it feels like at least the front seven feels a lot more like you just go. If you know your assignment, you just go. If you're in the zone, you drop into Mm -hmm. your spot. That isn't going to change. It's probably all language stuff that changes, I'm guessing, where they're calling plays differently. They're making audibles differently. But again, you could probably just send them a PDF of what's going on and be just fine. Anyway, enough Vikes talk. Ike, looks like you have a couple of Wolves points here. Uh, obviously, nothing happening Wolves in-game related, but as far as ownership, a little bit of news happening. Yeah, Wolves continue to kind of make make the news, the national news. This was a big one. I don't know if you guys saw this, uh, but I would say it's an all-time petty move. So that kind of got my radar tipped a little bit. I was like, this is a little bit exciting. So uh, this past... Right oh, up your love alley. It. Love the pettiness. It's a ultimate pissing contest, too, kind of in a way. It's a fun <laughs> one. It's a fun one. Um, so the, the Wolves sale, the Glenn Taylor sale to Lori and Rodriguez kind of was finalized uh, this past week and a half. Um, basically the same deal as was announced at the beginning of May uh, before their negotiating period started. And it's, it's $1.5 billion. The Rodriguez-Lori group will be buying out Taylor in pieces over the next two years, it sounds like. Um, and... The big thing was that Meyer Orbach, the minority owner of the Wolves as it sits right now, who has a 17% stake in the franchises, the Wolves and the Lynx, um, he sued Glenn Taylor uh, over a contract dispute. And it was basically like, when is he, Orbach, allowed to sell his shares of the Wolves? And it was this like inconsequential piece of language of like he should be allowed to sell before this trade or this deal goes through or as uh taylor starts selling shares so 
because it's like being done in pieces, Taylor is selling in pieces. Auerbach thought he should be able to sell before Taylor starts selling off his pieces once an agreement is made. And I think that's what the contract stipulated. Um, and that's why he sued because he wasn't awarded that opportunity to sell before the before Glenn Taylor went through with this deal. Uh, but Taylor thought it was that he that Auerbach gets to sell at the same time as Taylor. Um, but I don't think that really mattered to Orbach at all. I, I really think that was irrelevant because he's going to get basically the same amount of money at basically the same amount of time either way. I think he put it in there because he was upset with Glenn Taylor that he didn't get an opportunity to have a negotiating window because there were reports that Orbach wanted to get a group together to become the uh, sole owner of or the, the majority. majority owner of the team of the franchises. Um, and I think he was upset that he didn't get that opportunity. So he sued and the piece that comes out of this is that the whole contract of the sale is now public information. And basically Glenn Taylor had been going throughout this whole sale process after he announced it, like he's, he's going to make sure that there's no way that the new owners can move the team to another city, to another state. He's going to, he's going to have it in the contract. It's going to be ironclad. There's going to be an absolutely no way that the new owners will move the franchises. That's that's what he's been saying all along. I've always loved him for that because, you know, I would be devastated if the Wolves and the Lynx left the state of Minnesota. Um, and I was like, this is Glenn Taylor's one shining moment. If he can make this happen, like ensure that the franchises will stay. Well, it turns out he didn't do that. He couldn't do that. He had no <laughs> uh, like legal authority to do that. There is absolutely zero language in the contract, the sale contract that stipulates that the franchises must stay in Minnesota for two years or five years or any amount of time. There's absolutely nothing in it. And I think that was the sole reason that Orbach sued is so that he could put Glenn Taylor on blast. And I have so much respect for the pettiness of that move. Like to go through a lawsuit just to be like, this guy lied is so funny just because you felt like you didn't get a fair shake or something. I don't know. Um, so that was kind of an interesting little takeaway from the Timberwolves. Vegas Wolves, here we come. I, I definitely appreciate the pettiness. And I love the love a good exposure moment. Where like you gotta think when the when the information became public because of the lawsuit, he was just jacked. Like he's sitting at home, you know, pouring himself whatever malt liquor he enjoys, just like I did it. I did it. Today will be remembered in in infamy because of me for the Wolves fans. Really but kick it those is, legs back and yeah. Ooh, I got him. <laughs> got him. Um, but it also is That's a sad team. realization too that it's like, oh crap. Like, because everything I felt like I was hearing, and I I'm my finger's not exactly on the pulse of the situation, but I felt like I heard a lot about, oh, they'll have to stay for like two or five years. Like that was just gonna for sure be a thing in the contract, which um as as a non-contract lawyer myself, um, just non-lawyer in general, I guess. I have really no idea how all this works, but, but I would think that you'd be able to put something in the contract about that. But I mean, if the buyers are like, now nah, we're out and this maybe is the best or only offer that they can come up with, then to say it and get everyone's hopes up, what a kick in the shorts. Like, uh, he um, and so he made better points as he went. That was the thing that he had said the most. But he also talked about like the financials of what it means for like the other owners in the NBA to move a franchise. And it's just like it's 
he was saying, and this is just his, what he's saying, but it's, I think it's being backed up a little bit, but it's like a $2 billion expansion fee to move to one of these new cities yeah. versus like a hundred million dollar relocation fee. So the, what his point was that the other owners in the NBA would never allow the Timberwolves to just move to either Vegas or Seattle, uh, because they're missing out on a ton of money that they would get through a new franchise and they would probably try to bring in both at the same time. So it'd be $4 billion split between the owners. And I think you, you would not miss on that. Like you would have walking around money for the boys. Yeah. A little something, something, a little new (laughs) Bentley in a drive white. But so hopefully that is the thing that saves the wolves, I guess. I mean, there's always other cities that they could move to, but again, they also talk about how the NBA likes uh, the Twin Cities and Minneapolis specifically. It is not a tiny, tiny market. It's still the 14th biggest market and probably growing at a fairly good clip. But it got me thinking about the stadium situation because that's something that gets brought up a lot with this is the stadium situation. That Target Center is the oldest stadium in the NBA. It just got a facelift. Um, but I kind of equate that to you have a 96... Now you have like a 2004 Chevy Impala. The speedometer barely works. There's an old cassette player. The gas gauge is broken. One of the headlights just permanently doesn't work. It smells funny, but you just put a brand new pair of rims on that bad boy. And you are feeling You're driving around. You got the rims going. You're on your way to Best Buy to get a brand new audio deck so now you can put cds in there upgrade from that cassette Shit. player nice. maybe it's got some bluetooth integration i don't know but basically you still got the same crappy car but with the fresh pair of rims that's what happened with target center and so it got me thinking and the buyout apparently is pretty cheap it's like 50 million dollars to like end the lease with the city of minneapolis and i'm like all right let's pretty go cheap. shopping you know what i mean what yeah, do you baby. want what do you want in a new stadium what are you feeling and for me for me, I've been to a lot of Wolves games in the dark days when there's like 8,000 people there maximum. So it got me thinking, what more do seating. I want a new, in a, exactly. I want, a, I want a smaller, more intimate setting where I can really feel like I'm a part of this team. And I think actually it will work out. If I, I say max 16 to 17,000 capacity in the wow. new, whatever you want to call it, Target Center. I also think they should keep it really close to uh, target field. I think that would be really cool. Uh, so you kind of create one of those little, like, these are our stadium cities because I think that a feel of like more crowded is more important than more people. So if the wolves make the playoffs, they'll sell out and it'll be cool. Yeah, It makes it exclusive like, then too. more often than yeah. not, they won't be in a playoff game. And if, if you have 15,000 people in a stadium built for 16,000 people, it's going to feel really loud. And I think you're going to have a more like impassionate fan base. Uh, if you have a smaller kind of cooler stadium that way. Um, and I also would love a little natural light if they could find a way to get a little natural light into a, uh, into a winter evening in Minneapolis. I think that would be uh, spectacular. So that's natural light from downtown Minneapolis in the winter. Yep. Yeah. A uh, lot of that. Have you not seen the blue glow of a 4 PM, uh, sunset lou it's delicious it's delightful it's high gonna have to move, finish, move the game time that's <laughs> finish here's here's a thought so would they ever tear down the target center 
rebuild on location would that be just insane and because here's the reason why it works out you want intimacy williams arena is the gap they play the capacity is just under fifteen thousand, so it's a little light but still pretty good we get the elevated floors nba guys would love Ooh. the elevated floor just to be able to dive like in the stands, and you can take somebody out in the third or fourth row at that point um I think it would. I, I think at some point it's got to increase the defense. You're in a college arena. Maybe you just feel it a little bit. You're like, all right, back to college. Let's slap the floor, slap baby. The floor. So that could bridge the gap and get them used to playing in a little bit smaller arena until they tear down the target center. Boom. And I, I'm not opposed to playing at a high school. Let's get real intimate. Let's deal with some intimacy issues. All right. Let's go play at EP. What do you got? 2,500 packed in there? Now that's intimacy. All right. All seriousness, though, the one issue with that is I just can't see them wanting to go too small just because if they make the playoffs, which obviously that's the goal, so that's probably what they're aiming for, you would want to be able to sell as many tickets as possible, right? So I bet they would try to be on par with the NBA, which I don't know what the average NBA arena holds, but I would think they'd want to be in the wheelhouse of the other arenas, right? Why do you have to be like everybody else? Be your own team. Be your, set your own standards. That's all I'm saying. I think it'd just be better overall. And I hate yeah. big stadiums. I think they're the ugliest thing on earth. I'm looking at you, U.S. Bank. You think U.S. Bank is the ugliest thing on earth? Oh, wow. That's harsh. Yeah. It's egregious. Oof, it's, it's just a terrible look on the skyline. It's so big. It's so big. And it is weird looking. I think it looks cool in the winter when it's like the white wintry setting and then there's this black stalwart emerging from the ice like a Viking ship. Yeah. It, it does have Viking ship ambiance because of how the stadium like, kind of like flows up into the middle. Like, like a, what is it? The cast. The, the mask. The masks. There we go. The masks up there. Um, but I well, think like it's hard. It. It's got good sides and bad sides, and I think it yeah. just has more bad sides than good sides. There you go. Yeah, I just think it's hard for to get an owner to be like, "Hey, let's have less seats so we can make less money." Like it, for an owner side, it just that's the that's probably the easy contradiction. Contradiction, right? Agreed. But I, I'm I'm just saying, like for a regular season bout, I think it'd be more entertaining to have a smaller stadium, and you might sure. actually get more people to go if it's a better atmosphere. Because if you go to a Wolves game in Target Center and it's empty, it feels so empty, and it's so disengaging to be a fan there in that type of an experience. So if there's fewer, like if it's a smaller stadium, it feels like there's more people there. Everybody else feels more engaged. I, I think everybody knows that from being at like a really great high school event. Like you talked about high school, yeah. but if you're at a high school event and it's rocking, and you have yeah. that place packed, you feel like you're in the middle of a sea of people, even though there's 3,000 people there, and it feels really loud. So I'm just saying, like, if you can create that atmosphere more often in a regular season uh, setting, it might actually, who knows, maybe uptick in sales, because people are like, wow, going to a Wolves game is a lot of fun, even on a Wednesday night in the middle of January. It's a lot of fun. So maybe more people end up going throughout the season. For sure. I get it. It's just my desire. It's just what I want. I yeah, it's just, I agree. It's probably not going to happen. It's a little bit unrealistic, but it's let's just go shopping. It's what I hope for. You know, <laughs> it's really about the natural light. You know, that's really what I want. 
And you have to so, look at things though, like stadium series. If they're going to try to get Eric Church in there to do his concert, they want as many screaming fans as possible. So got to help yeah. the capacity. Here's there. a question on the natural light. Do you remember the NCAA tournament this year when but, at, at Butler? There was like a huge controversy with like the sun would come in and like it would be harder to it would be like hard to see the basket on one side of the arena. So that would probably be one thing to take into account if they can do that of maybe doing like directly above or something where it's a little easier to because they were saying the light comes in from like just over the backboard and it would like make it hard at times to see the see like the rim and and backboard from from certain spots in the arena so that I'm sure they would figure all that out because well, there are yeah. examples like butler that didn't do it exactly right well that was an nfl stadium right that was lucas oil wasn't it so it was not built for basketball and not built for march so i think they would do a sun study most likely and and be able to figure out the best spot to place everything the one i'm talking about was at butler university oh it was their it actual was it wasn't lucas oil it might have happened there too but i was watching a game where they were talking about it at butler Gotcha. So, but that's college too. So they, I'm sure the NBA would figure that out real quick. All right. Since the whole gang is back together this week, we're going to try out a new game. Woo-woo. We're calling this one the mini market spelling bee. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I have. Some Let me open up a, a word so doc thinking, quick I, here. I was thinking, I was like, all right, you know, podcast, it's, it's a, it's a listening medium, perfect for a spelling bee. So this week in this version of the spelling bee, it's player names. So I'm going to give you guys current Minnesota players and you're going to have to spell their last names. Okay. So it's going to start out a little bit easier and then it'll get harder like a normal spelling bee, but also like a normal spelling bee. If you spell it wrong, you're out. So I don't know. This game might last less than a round, or we might go on for ages. <laughs> I'm yeah, I got my money on the o- under. Yeah, under for sure. <laughs> I got my scorecard here, so I can write on the back, just like the real spelling bee. So uh, that should help a lot. Is you can't write with a pencil though. You can only use your finger. Okay, good. that's official spelling oh bee rules. No, no writing utensils. That's good to know because I did oh, have that's... a pen out. So, but it's gone now. You did say mm-hmm. pencil technicalities all right so yeah we'll go in a circle if you get it wrong you're out and then when the last person's standing they have to prove it and they have to spell one last word to win and you have to actually stand for the podcast sake (laughs) all right lou we're starting with you Ah. all right the first name jared spurgeon as in wild defenseman jared spurgeon Spurgeon, S-P-U-R-G-E-O-N, Spurgeon. Correct. Nice. Lucas advances to round two. So to clarify, wow. obviously we just My need to do like whatever is. name's hard. Is that correct? It's just the last oh, name. Just, just spell the last name. Okay. Johnson, 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 Johnson. Yeah, I misspelled Johnson. Jared on that one pretty quickly. All right, Isaiah, you're up next. We're going to the Vikings for Adam Thielen. (laughs) You're just trying to embarrass me. The gears are turning. I'm a bad speller. All right. T Thielen. T H. Here it is. Beep boop, boop, beep boop, boop. (laughs) 
Use your fingers. Spell it out. On the back of your name card. This is so bad. Uh, T H E L I N. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> Not even close. Thielen, oh, oh, spelled T H I E L E N. The I before E rule applies. <laughs> I was going to go E-I-L-E-N, so I would have got that wrong, too, just for the record. I don't feel too bad. I figured because he's popular, you know, you see his name on so many jerseys. All the time, yeah. Anyway, Isaiah did not make it through one round of the mini market spelling bee. In my defense, I have been on vacation for a month, you know. Yeah, he's, they don't have not, a lot of, not a lot of feeling jerseys him. out there. Yeah. Shoot. All right, Connor. We're going to the Wolves. Uh-oh. You get Josh Okogi. I'm going to go Okogi. O-K-O-G-I-E. Okogi. Correct. Thank you. Claps for Connor. On round two. Nice job. Nice job. We went 1-0. and, and now we're week going. One. Shout out PJ Fleck. Back to Lou. We're sticking with the Wolves. Wancho Hernan. All of it. Oh, God. <laughs> H-E-R-N-A-N-G-O-M-E-Z. Hernan Gomez. Spelled how it sounds. Nice. Good spelling. Oh, yes. yeah. And back to Connor. They're getting all the straightforward ones. <laughs> yes, not Pro Bowl wide receiver Adam Thielen, Minnesota native. Come on, there's literally a grammar rule for yours. <laughs> Bogus. All right, to Connor, we're going to the Twins. Williams Astudio. A S T U D I. No. Spelling it on his hand. <laughs> yes. A S T U D I L L O. Astadio. <sighs> Nailed it. Nice. 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 Woo. I wanted that to feel like I was blacking out at the spelling bee, like late in the rounds. You ever see that where the kid just goes off, like says like 10 letters in like two seconds, and you're like, that was <laughs> correct. But I'm stupid, so I didn't. Will Ferrell from old yeah, school. Yeah, Same yeah, yeah. That's a great yeah. reference. <laughs> All right, back to Lou. We're sticking with the twins. Tyler Duffy. I feel like it's this might be a trick tough. question, but D U F F E Y Duffy. Correct. Oh yeah. The E in there is a little tricky, but if you know it, it's easy. So back to Connor. To close out round three, we're going to the Vikings. Second year cornerback, Cameron Dantzler. Dantzler. It's a tough one. D A N T Z L E R. Dantzler. Boom. Nailed it. Easy money. Lou in round four to the Wild. Marcus Foligno. Oof, that's the toughest name on the team, I think. Sound it out. M A. 
Felino. F O L I N O. Close. Incorrect. There's a G in there, Lou. It's a uh, tricky one. Felino. No, that's right. Mm-hmm. F O L I G N O. So now, Connor, this is for the victory. If he gets it wrong, Lou, you're back one in. One tie, all tie. Ike, business. are you back in too? <laughs> yeah, I think that's how that works. All right. Uh, F. Oh. Give him give him another shot at Theo and see if he can get it this time. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> all right, Connor. We're going back to the twins. New outfielder, Rob Refsnyder. <laughs> oh, I knew oh, that one was coming. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. This <laughs> one. Got to make you earn the double. That was me. I thought that was going to be the last one possible. But I skipped over one to, to make the, the W tough here for Connor. Could, you, could I get a pronunciation, a re, here, another pronunciation on the last name? Ref Snyder. I'm going to go R-E-F-S-N-I-E-D-E. E R Ref Snyder. Incorrect. Close, but it was R E F S N Y D E R oh, Ref Snyder. Oh, dang! That's a tough one. That's all right. Toughy, but it extends the game, and we're back to Lou. Yay! We are going to the Vikings. Young defensive end DJ Wanham. Wanum. W O N N U M. Wanum. Bingo. Nailed it. Yeah. Easy money. I got to know my Vikes. And back to Connor. We went Vikes for Lou. We'll go wild for Connor. Marcus Johansson. Oh, this is center. a hard one. I, I don't know if that's a soft Johansson. beginning. Or... Yeah, it's probably Johansson. Um, J O H A N I'm going to go another N S E N Johansson Incorrect Oh that's what I would have gone Tough with. it's a tough one so it's J O H A N S S. Oh, the double o S, not the double, double S's. N's. You went double oh, N's. Double S. Was it E N uh, or O N? 50 50 shot. It was O N. Yeah. I suck. Well, he got. Uh, Should have yeah. asked for the origin of that one, Connor. Do okay. I win then? Lou, you've got to prove it. <laughs> this is goddamn. This game will never end. No, it won't. Eventually, we'll have to start getting easier, though. All right. We're going back to the Vikings. For punter Britton Colquitt. Colquitt. C O L Q U I T. Colquitt? Double T is right. Incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) I thought there was maybe an H in there for a second. Yeah, yeah, you're you're spot on, but the double T's got you. We're back. We're back. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. What's my word? <laughs> you can have Cook. a shot at my next one. <laughs> C- can I? Oh, your origin. All right, Connor, we're back to you. This is the last Wolves name on the list Jared Vanderbilt. I'm going to go V 
A N D E R B I L T Vanderbilt. Correct. Excellent, Connor. Thank you. Very nice. Very nice. I don't know why I keep getting these super long ones. Lou's getting Wanham over here that's like four letters long, for God's sakes. This is bull. Just kidding. All right. Lucas to the twins. Alex Kirilov. Kirilov. K I R I L O H F F. Kirilov? Incorrect. There's no H and a double L. Kirilov, K-I-R-I-L-L-O-F-F. Kirilov. I thought you. I thought he might get that one because I feel like we've sent it in the group a little bit, but I feel like we misspell it when we send it was, in the yeah, group, was, so that like, doesn't always help. Every time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the spelling in our group chat is uh, embarrassing. <laughs> There's like a, I would say like a first-round knockout in this game-ish. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know if well, it's that bad. I didn't expect us to get... I didn't expect us to get this far, but it's really just because we keep getting them, <laughs> getting them wrong. Honor for the win. Chad Beebe. Oh. Wow. B-E-E-B-E. Beebe. Correct. Woo. Congratulations, Connor. You are our inaugural Mini Market Spelling Bee champion. Nice. Thank God Very Tom's nice. not in this. <laughs> if you played in this game, we would never have a chance. I think I, I might have gone double E there for BB, oh, to be yeah. honest. I might have flipped. I think I probably would have flipped it. Bebe. 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 <laughs> in the future, if we play this again, I think I'll be the host and we'll get Dalton in on the mix. There you go. We'll do, we'll do first names. <laughs> Just give me like old play. Jimmy Butler. Just give me those in the future. <laughs> Well, that does it for this week of the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Tellum Sports and check out our blog, tellumsports.com. See you next week. Peace. Peace. Go Wolves. Bye. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.